There we go. There yeah, we go. We, we are recording. Thanks, Thanks Dave, Dave, for the reminder. <laughs> yes, please, please let's look up for each other because <laughs> this is our future. <laughs> Zooming will be our future, I have a feeling. <laughs> okay, because I was, because uh, our study group meets on uh, via Zoom also. And what we miss is the uh, intimacy of meeting face to face. That's, you know, also Zoom is great, like Zoom, but there's a, a, a lack of face-to-face of -face intimacy, especially when we're talking about our stories and, and the deepest things in our life. But hey, this will do, we'll make it work. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm on page 243, uh, paragraph 11. Yet, if you are as God created you, you cannot think apart from him, nor make what does not share his timelessness and love and love. Are these inherent in the world you see? Does it create like him? Unless it does, it is not real and cannot be at all. If you are real, the world you see is false. For God's creation is unlike the world in every way. And as it was his thought by which you were created, so it is your thoughts which made it and must see it free, that you may know the thoughts you share with God. Let's come back. Lesson 133 is um, a little different from 132. Lesson 132 is saying the world is nothing in itself. Uh, and our, our minds give it meaning. <clears throat> and what Jesus is doing in 133 is moving us to a more practical perspective. And um, with... Uh, Four criteria, a values test, if you will, for deciding uh, whether it's great to, be, to make that decision or not. So we have uh, several decisions to make. So he's giving us a values test to do that. So the values test is, of course, to use in the world, in our illusion, but yet steeped in the metaphysics. Um, so let's start. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> I will not value what is valueless. Sometimes in teaching there is benefit, particularly if after you have gone through what seems theoretical and far from what the student has already learned to bring him back to practical to concerns. This we will do today. We will not speak of lofty, world-encompassing ideas, but dwell instead on benefits to you. So it's pretty straightforward. So essentially what we're doing is keeping the metaphysical basis of, of all that we think, see, and do, but creating a more practical benefit analysis of it. Um, I think one of the, the, when I first started reading it, I went, oh yeah, this is a benefit analysis. It's when you have a column 
If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. So we're, we're getting choices. We always have choices. So giving the, the, the outline of the criteria, we get to choose the values, our values in any given scenario, because they're fairly general. Let's see. Um, you do not ask too much of life, but far too little. And of course, this has been, uh, it's, it's listed throughout the course, uh, particularly in uh, text in chapter 26. We value gifts from the ego's nothingness while we reject as unappealing the valuable gifts of, gifts of God's everything. When you let your mind be drawn uh, to bodily concerns, to things you buy, to eminence as valued by the world, you ask for sorrow and uh, not for happiness. And then that goes back to uh, the special specialness. You know, if it's uh, a special relationship or special relationship with anything, it's um, not only people, it's things, it's whatever special we deem important in the world. Like right now, we'd kill for a haircut. But uh, it's it's important, <laughs> and in two weeks I am getting one. Uh, but it's you know it's it's those are the things that that we get to choose in the world. And one of the things that that Jesus says clearly is he's not guilting us. We're not. There's no part of guilt in this. It's simply a choice. Um, we can choose our specialness, but through the process of choosing. Uh, we, it's, it's through experience, because many times when we choose something uh, and we know, well, hmm, this is not the greatest thing, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So given that, we know, okay, this is probably not a great uh, uh, choice. And, and Jesus says, the pursuit of specialness will bring us sorrow, not happiness which means it's silly to pursue. So we're given hints when we are making choices. We already know enough about specialness to realize what that brings us. And uh, for right now, like right now, I am in the process of downsizing. And as I'm doing this process, I'm going through my jewelry, my art, all the things that I wanna unload. And I realize how special they were when I bought them. At the moment that I bought whatever it was that I'm now realizing is not all that important. It's like, wow. So at the time it was special, but it's, it's not really special. I mean, it's, it's, it's transient. The pleasures are transient. I have, we have a beautiful day today. I remember the other day I was sitting in the living room. It was absolutely gorgeous outside. And I thought to myself, hmm, it's really, it's really pretty nice. I probably should take a walk. And I didn't. And it's like, then I started feeling guilty. Like it's going to rain tomorrow. I really should take advantage of this. Everything has two sides to it. And there's no right or wrong. It's just knowing there's two sides to it and looking at it. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we're being asked to do here. <clears throat> this course does not attempt, I'm on two, uh, three to five. This course does not attempt to take from you the little that we have. It does not try to substitute utopian plans, ideas, for satisfactions which the world contains. There are no satisfactions in the world. 
And as long as we recognize that, even though we, we're in the world making choices every day, uh, we get the opportunity to look at that. And one of the things that Jesus is talking about in the world when, <clears throat> when we uh, do make choices and recognizing if we do feel guilty, that everything is magic. Everything in the world is magic. But, and, filled, and we're filled with fear. That's just part of, of the guilt that sits below the surface of this iceberg. Um, but one of the things that he wants to impress upon us is that um, whatever magic we use to reduce fear is holy, which is an important point for us to, I think, to remember, is that when we're filled with fear, it could even be pain, whatever circumstance we are in at the moment, whatever magic we use to reduce the fear so that we can make a choice, see it differently, is a holy decision. And I thought that was a really important point in that, uh, under that, uh, those two sentences. On to the next. Today we will list the real criteria by which to test all things you think you want. Unless they meet these sound requirements, they are not worth desiring at all, for they can but replace what offers more. The laws that govern choice you cannot make, no more than you can make alternatives from which to choose. Again, it's our choice. We have two choices. We choose the ego or we choose God or the Holy Spirit. The choosing you can do, indeed, you must. But it is wise to learn the laws you set in motion when you choose and what alternatives you choose between. We choose between everything of heaven's love and nothing of the ego specialness. We have already stressed there are but two, however many there appear to be, the range is set and this we cannot change. Again, the first law is, is always just two choices. And I'm on to the next <clears throat> uh, sentence, uh, three. It would be most ungenerous to you to let alternatives be limitless and thus delay your final choice until you had considered all of them in time and not, and not, been, and not been brought so clearly to the place where there is but one choice that must be made. And the place that uh, this sentence is talking about is the decision maker. We go back to that place to make a choice. And uh, Ken talk, talk, says in this, <clears throat> another important point is that fear is our responsibility. That um, Jesus, Holy Spirit, will not come down to help us with our fear. It's our responsibility to make the choice to do the unraveling that we made. On to the next sentence, 5-1. Another kindly and related law is that there is no compromise in what your choice must be. Again, it's similar to what uh, Jesus said in the past. <clears throat> Um, we have one choice. 
the ego's version of this uh, is one or the other, kill or be killed. The Holy Spirit tells us, however, that only what he teaches is true and nothing of the ego is. So again, back to choosing either the uh, God or the ego. And to the next sentence, it cannot give you just a little for there is no in between. Each choice you make brings everything to you or nothing. Therefore, if you learn the test by which you can distinguish everything from nothing, you can make the better choice. Before we go into the criteria, I want to read a couple of passages. Oh, and, and also, I wanted to mention that Lesson 133 is kind of a precursor to um, uh, the development of trust. And I just want to read two parts of it. You don't have to go to that section. This is the precursor to development of trust, which many of us have read and, and, and have read several times, I'm sure. So I'm going to read um, a couple of passages. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And then from the next paragraph, he will find that many, if not most of the things he valued, specialness, will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued, because he has valued what is really valueless. It takes great learning to understand all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. So no matter what we encounter, it's helpful for our learning. Did anyone have a question? Did I hear a cough? No? Yes. So I wonder, before I get to the, to the uh, different uh, criteria, I wanted to read on page 233, The world I see uh, holds nothing that I want. Paragraph three, second sentence. For what you value, you make part of you as you perceive yourself. All things you seek to make your value greater in your sight limit you further. Hide your worth from you and add another bar across the door that leads to true awareness of yourself. And going to page 499, the goal of specialness. I'm going to read from the intro. The second paragraph. To learn this course requires willingness to question every value that you hold. Not one can be kept hidden and obscure, but it will jeopardize your learning. No belief, no belief is neutral. Everyone has the power to dictate each decision you make. For a decision is a conclusion based on everything that you believe. It is the outcome of belief and follows it as surely as does suffering follow guilt and freedom, sinlessness. There is no substitute for peace. 
What God creates has no alternative. The truth arises from what he knows, and your decision comes from your beliefs, as certainly as all creation arose in his mind because of what he knows. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? Uh, yes, uh, Stephen here. Um, before you get too far away from it, it was uh, a few minutes ago, um, you quoted uh, um, uh, Wamnick, uh, you seem to be quoting Wamnick uh, about uh, um, uh, Jesus and Holy Spirit, of course, don't come down here um, um, to, to, to solve our problems with fear, um, that it's up to us to decide that. And uh, that confuses me a little bit. And I, what I mean by that is uh, I'm not sure what Wapnick meant, what he, he, I'm not sure what he meant. And I was hoping maybe you could embellish on that, you know, from anywhere in the course a little bit, because um, I sure would like to know that. Thank you. Okay. And uh, what he's, uh, I'll read what he says. Um, essentially, it's, uh, we're not bringing truth to illusion. I think that's what he's saying. We're not bringing, uh, we can't bring truth to illusion. I mean, the uh, Holy Spirit is a reflection of God's love to guide us, but he's not coming into the world, which is the illusion, to solve our problems. So uh, we're given the tools if we're um, aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit and looking, making decisions differently, looking at it differently, um, and using that guidance to unravel all the conditions that make fear part of our 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 world in the our world in our in our illusions because this all, all, all this is is fear can, so can every time you get an opportunity can you be a little more specific uh, on the uh, you hit a point there that are that, that that is exactly what i'm asking uh it, could you be a little more specific about the unraveling that we we must do uh, i'm going to the decision maker i know is one but right i i, I think uh, yeah go ahead go ahead no, go ahead. Well, I think the only thing that is valuable in this world, and what he's trying to point out, is um, the choice for the Holy Spirit. And that then everything looked at from the point of view of the Holy Spirit, everything is valuable in that the Holy Spirit can show us a way of looking at it that brings us closer to home, that wow. actually moves us closer to the realization of, of the, only, the only truth is um, God's truth. The only truth is, is oneness and that the Holy Spirit is the only one that can show us how to see anything and everything, any challenge, any concern, any worry, any relationship can show us a way to look at it that will in fact bring us closer to the realization of oneness. And we're not able to do that on our own. So the only meaningful choice in the world is, is not between externals, but the only meaningful choice is the choice for the Holy Spirit to show us. 
that, that's about. And that's can very, I give you an example? Can good. I give you an example of, of my experience with that? Uh, yes. <clears throat> I have. Uh, yeah. When I I've, I've always uh, my job was always to advocate for seniors, and I was an outreach director, and I go I worked in some very uh, interesting places in the city. Uh, some might call it threatening. Some may say, yeah, it's dangerous. Um, why are you going there? And I can go into these situations when I'm visiting a senior with, uh, from two totally separate uh, uh, choices, mindset. I can go in as an, with an ego going, okay, I am going to go in prepared. Okay. I am, you know, I'm armed. I'm ready. You know, if I see any danger, I'm going to, you know, stop and do something or another. Or I can go in and say, Holy Spirit, you know, guide me. I, I see all of these people as, as uh, who you would see them as innocents. Because I've gone into uh, neighborhoods totally unafraid. And these guys are sitting out on the stoop. You know, they're not working. They're hanging out. And I get on my car. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, walk up to the senior's door. Go in. And so... It's, who am I aligning myself with? Am I aligning myself with ego or am I aligning myself with Holy Spirit? And those, that's a situation that I can uh, remember knowing totally that even if something happened, I'm safe. And that's just who I aligned myself with. I had no fear. And all I saw these guys as who Christ would see them as. And that, and going in with that, and they went, hey, how you doing? I said, yeah, it's a great day. I, And so... Um, it's a practical experience for me that brings it home because, you know, again, the course is wonderful. I mean, it's great. <clears throat> it's theoretical. <clears throat> it's not until we experience what not only it says, but what uh, Ken is describing here that we go, got it. I get it. <clears throat> so it doesn't mean that fear is going to go away because we still have instances where it comes, it's going to surface we got fear of coronavirus you know and how much precaution am i going to take versus okay i have to be practical but i also can go out into the world uh choosing fear of the, oh it's going to happen to me if i go into the store or holy spirit i'm in alignment with you you know i'm just going to do what i have to do and okay let me uh, uh, let me address uh what uh uh what I was uh, getting to, uh, it's very helpful uh, what y'all are doing for me, and I really appreciate that. I'm much more interested in the metaphysical aspect of this uh, yeah. rather than the, the, the practicality, although we're all interested in the practicality. We want to feel better. We want this all to go better. But how, uh, Lynn, what you were saying, how is that not, um, how, how and, 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 and also uh, with you, is it uh, Nidra? Uh, how is that not Holy Spirit coming down and helping us with what we're doing here? Uh, it, it sounds like it sounds like it's coming out of two sides. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you're you're both saying the same thing in terms of we have to use. <clears throat> Spirit, and I get that, and I do it on a regular basis. But where I get confused is how is that not I'm not asking for a parking space. Uh, you know, I'm asking for um, I'm, I'm asking for guidance in how to. I'm asking to be taught. I'm asking for guidance as to how to change my mind. Um, I I want to get home seemingly, even though I'm already home. Uh, but I'm not interested in how it 
really works here. I'm interested in what is happening in the change of mind itself. You know what I mean? Yes, I yep. do. And, the, and, it, and for me, I can say it's always been a challenge to reconcile that. And <laughs> Linda said to this too, but for me, it's, uh, and, and there's a lot of places in the courses where it's like, okay, kind of understand it, but not right. For me, it's all, it's all in the mind. It's, you know, I, I sometimes sit in my little, I call my rocking chair decision maker. Uh, and, um, and that's where I'm connecting with Holy Spirit. Now, uh, how it, uh, from my perspective, Holy Spirit doesn't come into the dream to make things happen. He's, Holy Spirit is helping me to decide that I'm aligning with Holy Spirit and Jesus um, to free myself from what ego is bringing into the dream, which is fear, guilt, all of that stuff. So I can only do that in my mind. I can't do it anywhere else. So nowhere else can that happen except in my mind. So when I'm doing that, it's in my mind that it occurs. Jesus and Holy Spirit is not coming into the dream. He's coming into my mind, which is apart from the dream. I can sit up here with, you know, in my little decision maker, look down on the dream. So I'm, you know, we can be part of the dream or not part of the dream because we're aligning with Holy Spirit. I mean, when I do my forgiveness work, I do it both, I, you know, in front of someone in front of me to do it. And I also do the bird's eye view from my mind. So it's, it's, I understand what you're saying. And that's my answer. Lynn, did you have something different to say? Um, no, no. Um, I think we have to remember that um, the goal of the course is a, is a different way of seeing. We want Christ's vision. And Christ's vision is only in the mind. We see the situation completely differently. We don't see the form. We don't see changes, although that can happen. But that's not what we're actually um, wanting as a goal. We want to learn to see strictly with the mind and through Christ's vision. So that's what changes. We're not setting out to um, fix anything in the world, in the dream, or anything in form. We're setting out choosing the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Uh, and that's why we use the word, help me to see this differently. In other words, the interpretation changes completely, and it's peaceful. It brings peace. Yeah. Does that help? It does. It, and thank you all for uh, all fellow students for bearing with me, and uh, that was very helpful from both of y'all. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's always good to have questions yeah. about yeah. fine points because everybody struggles with exactly what you're talking about, Stephen. And, uh, you know, I, I know for myself in um, mentoring a lot of people with a lot of different if issues, I must stay out of the way. Nothing works if I get in the way. If I have any idea about what should happen, what would be nice to have happen, and that I know something about the other person, it just doesn't work. So it's always staying with I, I like to think of Holy Spirit as whole mind, whole indivisible mind. 
and to stay in that place and allow um, the, the, the clarity or the answer to, to come. Yeah, good, thanks. So thanks for asking. Ask away, it's helpful to everybody. Absolutely, yep. please do. So uh, if any more, not any more questions, let's just start with uh, jumping in with uh, the first value. Does it last? Nadra, <coughs> just yes. a second. I, th I think Gigi had a question. Okay. You're on mute, Gigi. There you go. Okay. What I wanted to say is the first thing we need to do as we want to work with the Holy Ghost is to empty ourselves. And he will not come in unless he is invited by you. And so we have to make that space. And Nedra was saying that when she'd go into a community, she got rid of all the worldly thoughts before she, so she could be empty and receive his holy thoughts. She invited him. That's Thank it. you, Gigi. Right on. Exactly. Right on. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay. Um, anyone else? No. I just had a quick, so is that what Ken means by not know? That emptying, creating that space for the Holy Spirit, like when, when you, you say not no to the ego. Right. Yep. The denial of the denial. Right. For, we're we're uh, nodding to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we want you here. <laughs> I want you here. <laughs> I want to pay attention to you. Like Monica said, I think it was last week, uh, when the land told Monica, and it was a great, uh, I forgot, is when you're, you're having an issue, hey, Jesus, come sit down next to me. Just be here with me. You know, how often do we forget to ask that? You know, um, be here with me. You know, we get so busy. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful being at home, I got to tell you. I'm really loving this. Uh, we're much more thought, I'm much more thoughtful about making that choice, you know. Um, uh, just be here with me. I, I can tell you it's incredibly peaceful. I look, I'm really liking this, <laughs> really liking this. So uh, without the, the distractions of the world, uh, which actually over, over the last several years, I have been loosening more and more and more because I realized the more stuff I added to my world, the less I could hear Holy Spirit or invite Holy Spirit to Jesus into my life. I was just too busy running from here to there and doing this or that. And so I've made decisions to say, no, I, I'm sorry. I want more time to be able to have Jesus and Holy Spirit in my life because that's the voice I want. That's the decision I want to be able to make. And um, so, you know, being so busy, it's just, it's just, you know, so over the, over the years, I just started, you know, getting, getting rid of one thing or another. And also, it's sloughed off as I change my identity is changing because as I as we create our identities, I think I mentioned this the last time. Um, I created we I created what I call my brick wall. Each brick has something that was important to me as part of my identity. And over the years, you know, by one brick 
by one brick. And a lot of them were quite surprising as I let them go because I had no idea that it, it was used to be so important to me and I let it go. And I look back, go, oh my gosh, I don't really miss that. I don't want that anymore. And I'm seeing that more and more and more as I'm inviting Jesus and Holy Spirit. And now I'm trying to get rid of all my clothes because I'm practically living in t-shirts. <laughs> so it's like stuff is, stuff is leaving, you know, and it's simplifying and I'm okay with all of that. I really like that part. So it's, yeah, it's providing more time for me to, uh, uh, to invite Holy Spirit and Jesus um, into, to be, with, to be in my mind, because it has created a lot more peace. I can say I'm a lot, a lot more peace. Um, does that answer? I think I went on too long. Is that, Jeff, does that answer your question? <laughs> okay. All right. So the, the first value test is, uh, does it last? Well, we know things in the world do not last, although we are attracted to a lot of it, um, myself included. Um, and so the test is, um, you know, there, what he says, what Ken said here is, is interesting. He says, almost everything here does not last, such as material objects, things that we strive for. And I read that I went, almost everything we value does not last. And I was thinking, what, va what value do we choose that will last? That's the extension of God's love in the world, that shared interest, the holy instant. All of those things are the valuable if we choose to be with Holy Spirit in the world. Everything else is disposable. Our bodies are disposable. Everything is. And so we get to choose. Get back to the benefit analysis. Yes, we're going to choose things in the world that are that we're going to want. You know, my wants have changed a lot over the years. So what I want, um, okay, it's okay to have, uh, but I also know that it's tr it's transitional. It's not going to be here forever. So my, what will my default be? Will my default decision making go to what's what's uh, transient, not going to be here, um, my specialness, uh, uh, special relationships uh, are great, but they also transition. They either, uh, they can they can sustain themselves, especially if it turns into a holy relationship, or it will die or it will change. And in many special relationships, whether it's objects or people, we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Definitely not uh, uh, it's not something for the long haul. So let's see. Um, and what I Tim, I'm going to go to uh, uh, sentence two and three under six. A temporary value is, is without all value. Time can never take away a value that is real. Um, let's see, what does he say? Yes, we do. Tr we do value the transient in the world but we do get to choose. On to the next uh, sentence four and five. What fades and dies was never there and makes no offering to him who chooses it. He is deceived by nothing in a form he thinks he likes. Let's see, is there any questions about the first one before I go to the second criteria? What time is it? 
Okay, we got time. Nothing. I think I have. Yes. Hey. Like a little bit of further discussion on the term value. Sure. What do we mean by value? Uh, this says anything that will not last, we should not value, and then the world will not last. My body will not last. What do, what do we mean by value? I think what we uh, what we. <laughs> Trying to think of what's the word I want to use. Uh, what we, uh, what is the benefit? I mean, the value is a choice of uh, what we put our attention to on. So let's say, um, let me think. So we get two choices: ego or Holy Spirit. So given that, uh, what do we hold dear? What do we uh, put our attention on? What do we give our energy to? Um, those are the those are the that's what we value. We I can give all my attention and, and uh, uh, energy to ego, which means that I'm going to be running around doing this and that, uh, making these choices in the world that may 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 or may not be my, to my benefit. Now, if I use those choices to look at with Holy Spirit, that's my classroom. I get to choose whether I want to put my energy and time into this versus that, depending on whether it's uh, going to last and whether it's, it, and one of the things that I think that really drives this home is who does it benefit? Does it benefit all or does this benefit me? That's another criteria that, that I like to think in terms of um, on the bigger scale, on the smaller scale, um, it's where do I want to put my energy? I think. Does everyone uh, see that or agree with me on that one, or have another thought? I think um, ultimately, and the last thing you said is, does it benefit all? That the teacher of God only wants to have what he can give away because what he gives is what he keeps. So in other words, we would only want the eternal, we would only want um, what's valuable is peace. The, the bottom line with the course is peace of mind. Well, peace of mind, we can give freely and still keep, still have. In fact, the more we give it, the more we're aware that we have it. And in fact, the only way we can learn that we truly have love, peace, joy, is to give peace, love, and joy. So it's all what can be given without loss is the most valuable. And ultimately the only thing that's valuable because it's eternal. It's, it right. stays with us. And I have a practical example of that. Um, uh, my my uh, my crew my late my for the last twenty years I've been working as an advocate for older adults and so as an advocate it means that I'm pro something pro the individual but against something else because there's usually a problem either it's a system systems are always loaded with problems so I'm always advocating going up against a problem it's usually a system or it could be anything and uh, one of the um, projects I had in the last five years, well, it was about four or five years ago. It was something that was brought to me by the police district. There was a problem for seniors in the community. And rather than 
that was the most beautiful project because I didn't have to go against anything. Everybody won. The senior won, the city won, the police district won, the contractor won, the supplier won. Um, it was a it was a seamless pr process for everyone. So everyone was winning. Everyone was part of the solution, and it was the most inclusive process I've ever experienced. And one of the effects of that, which is to totally out of uh, left field, um, I got a call one day from a foundation who had heard about the project that I was doing in the community. And they asked me if I needed money. Well, if you know anything about nonprofits, you know anything about foundations, they never, ever, ever offer money to anybody <laughs> without a grant, without documentation, without all of that. And so I'm sitting there, I'm falling out of my chair. And it said, uh, you know, we heard about, would you like, would you like to come in and, and meet with us? So I grabbed my board member and we went in. And then she asked me, how much money do you need? Which is another, really? <laughs> this never happens. So as I was thinking about this, uh, actually, as I was reading this, thinking about this process, uh, it was, everyone was involved in the extension of love, solution, whatever, you know, I can't think about any other words, that it was seamless. And for me, that's what's, uh, you know, in the next part, when we go, did, did someone lose? Well, no one lost. It was, uh, and whatever lasted from that was the feelings that came out of this process of inclusiveness, of seamlessness, was for me the practical of what the course is teaching. Because um, I've done both sides. I've done the adversarial, get what I can for, this, for the client, versus this, which was all-encompassing and seamless. So seeing both sides is, uh, is really valuable for me. Does that, does that, is that a good example mm -hmm. for most of you? Does that make sense? Okay. Nidra, I'd, yes. I'd like to point out another place that is very helpful regarding this. It's in the manual for teachers and you don't need to go there now because I know time is important to complete the lesson 133. But it is on page 14 in the manual, and it is under generosity, and it's in paragraph two, and it says, the teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He can only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he can keep because that is the guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God and therefore his son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity protecting them forever for himself. So that's a nice note to make next to lesson 133 as a place to read, to re-remind ourselves. We only want what we can give away. 
I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, you don't need to have a job to make money to pay the rent or anything else. But ultimately, the priority is always on uh, the peace of God. Thanks. Right. And that's, when, that's choosing uh, being in your right mind uh, when, when doing the work. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it makes all the difference in the world. And that actually ties into the next one. The next uh, value, the criteria is, uh, did someone lose? In making, and did someone lose in, in making a value decision? And that's the, you know, that was a perfect paragraph for that. Yeah. Um, next, if you choose to take a thing away from someone else, you will have nothing left. And this, and, he, and Ken said, this is a corollary to our now familiar fourth law of the chaos. You have what you've taken. If I want something I lack, I can, I can get it only by taking it from you, which means you are now without it. This cannot then be a true gift. Love's reflection, which expresses the right of everyone to have everything. So that's essentially, that's right on. And the next sentence, this is because when you deny his right to everything, you've denied your own. Because we are one mind, we are one mind that um, if I deny any other, the other, whoever that is, I'm denying myself. You therefore will not recognize the things you really have denying they are there. None of these is possible unless shared by everyone. That's what Ken said. The next uh, uh, sentence, number four. Who seeks to take away has been deceived by the illusion loss can offer gain. Yet loss must offer loss and nothing more. Essentially, I have it, you don't. I gain, you lose. Um, If there's loss, it must be valueless. Because everything is in equal measure. Uh, when we go back to thinking in terms of giving all to all, I think that's the, the huge criteria in uh, looking at values. Any question on this one before I move to th the third one? Okay, the third one is, um, your next consideration is the one-on-one -on -one which the others rest. Why is the choice you make a value to you? What attracts your mind to it? What purpose does it serve? Well, on, for, for the purpose of the ego uh, is to preserve my individuality. Uh, the motivation for having chosen the ego in the first place, seeking things in this world proves I exist. So that's the ego's uh, purpose. And uh, Ken mentions that the fourth uh, and the fifth laws of chaos uh, come to the rescue here, which are, I have what I've taken, someone's loss is my gain. Um, and uh, there's no, and there, there's a substitute for love, which is special love, special hate. So looking at um, what purpose does it serve? Again, it's which, which thought system am I using? Do I wanna choose specialness or do I want 
to not choose specialness because we know the downside of specialness. Let's see. I'm going to sentence five if no one has any questions or a comment or a story. Stories are good. Here it is easiest of all to be deceived. For what the ego wants, it fails to recognize. It does not even tell the truth as it perceives it. For it needs to keep the halo, which it uses to protect its goals from tarnish and from rust, that you may see how innocent it is. And uh, let's see, what did he say about that? That was really interesting, the rust and the tarnish. Um, what did he say about that? Oh, I lost it. I don't see it. I know I wrote it down somewhere too. Um, uh, New Jersey, if, if I may, I actually, this last sentence here just vibed with me for a second. So it does not tell you the truth as it perceives it. Um, so what is the truth for the ego? Somewhere in like chapter, you just go back to what is the ego. It's, it, it wants death. It wants decay, separation. It wants everything to just be gone eventually. That, that's what it's going for. So I think when he says that tarnish and from rust, it's showing you this beautiful thing now, but it doesn't show you that in time it's going to turn into nothing. It's going to be meaningless. So I think from the Holy Spirit's perspective, perspective it sees it as as valueless as it will be at the end of time mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. and one of the other things about it it also has the as ken noticed here it has a, fa a face of innocence sometimes yeah. it's sneaky mm -hmm. it looks good but on, on the underbelly it's yeah. not yeah we're we're trying to preserve our own identity at the expense of our brother so <laughs> You know, the, the face of innocence is right in there. Um, and I'm happy to sacrifice my brother in order to preserve that identity. So um, definitely not, not worth keeping. <laughs> right. And then the Course says, yet, it is, yet is its camouflage a thin veneer, which could deceive, but those who are content to be deceived. So again, we get to choose, you know, we get to choose whether we want to live in that deception or uh, uh, join uh, Holy Spirit and look at it differently and see, see that it's nothing, see that it's, it's uh, uh, vacuous. Next uh, sentence two, if goals are obvious to anyone who cares to look for them. Um, again, and again, the Course is asking us, according to, to as, as Ken says, for us to learn of these secret goals. So uh, looking, looking at it and, uh, and asking, is, is this true? Because we can see the glitter, but, you know, again, the, the ego is very, very, very um, tricky. You know, it was interesting that he, he mentioned that this is where we are most likely to deceive ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, to carry out the lie, the self-deception that, that we exist and we have our own will and, uh, you know, we, we know what's valuable for us, for me, you right. know. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes so 
so difficult to see that in ourselves. That's actually why we need our brother, because all of those things that we see in our brother are really what we're doing, which is getting rid of guilt. We would never be able to look upon it if we didn't first have our brother show it to us. So, um, yeah. They're our mirror. They are our mirror. (laughs) And I'm grateful every time I have a, I had a interesting thing happen to me recently and and it was a perfect mirror. And even though it was not comfortable, I was grateful that it was there because otherwise I would not have seen it. If I didn't, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have seen it. Right. So uh, see, uh, let's see, where was it? Okay, we're going over to uh, paragraph 10, first sentence. Yet though he tries to keep its halo clear within his vision, still must he perceive its tarnished edges and its rusty core, which I think we already talked about. Let's see how far we are. Oh, did I skip? I skipped a whole bunch of stuff, didn't I? No, during guilt, the feelings of guilt. Did I, did we, did we talk, we're just talking about that. I, I'm sorry, did I skip some pages, some paragraphs? No. no. Oh no, okay, I'm fine. All right, <laughs> lose my place. All right, so let's go on to uh, uh, sentence three, four. We've got five more minutes. He who, he who would still preserve the ego's goals and serve them as his own makes no mistakes according to the dictates of his guide. This guidance teaches it is error to believe that sins are but mistakes. For who would suffer for his sins if this were so? As the ego says, uh, the pain and misery proves you sinned because sin demands punishment. So we're making sin real. In the next sentence on one, and so we come to the criteria for choice that is the hardest to believe because its obviousness is obvious, obviousness is overlaid with many levels of, of obscurity. Again, uh, sometimes it's hard to see, although our brother is our mirror. Um, it's really important to see to uh, to actually look at it because as we look out, we see within. So the fourth criteria criteria is if you feel guilt about your choice, you have allowed the ego's goals to come between the real alternatives, and thus you do not realize there are but two, and the alternatives you think you choose seems fearful and too dangerous to be the nothingness it actually is. Guilt is the ultimate criteria for distinguishing what is valuable from what is not. not. Its presence proves you have chosen the valueless. The message here one more time is not that we should feel guilty when we seek the valueless, but that we should recognize what we are doing. If we do not understand that our misery comes from sleeping guilt, we will not be motivated to change our minds. Because we cover our guilt, Jesus tells us of the Holy Spirit's plan to unveil our misery. 
Any questions about that? Okay, I'm going to uh, next uh, paragraph, uh, uh, sentence one. All things are valuable or valueless, worthy or not of being sought at all, entirely desirable or not worth the slightest effort to obtain. Choosing is easy just because of this. Complexity is nothing but a screen of smoke, which hides the very simple fact that no decision can be difficult. Yeah. So we, we made complexity. We made as much complexity. Sometimes I'm just amazed when I watch the news. It's just so incredibly complex. Um, and we do that as our smoke screen. It's, it's how we uh, get out. We, get our, we, we're, we give ourselves a slide for having to make a decision because we're just too darn busy. We don't have to worry about Holy Spirit or ego. We're just on automatic pilot. And that is our danger. And this, I can say that's my danger. That was my danger. Um, trying to uh, juggle it all and also be with the Holy Spirit while I'm doing that. It's just, it just takes up so much space in my head that it wasn't much space for me to reach out to Holy Spirit. What is the gain to you in learning this? <clears throat> it is far more than merely letting you make choices easily and without pain. Heaven itself is reached with empty hands and open minds, pretty much what Gigi said, which come with nothing to find everything and claim it as your own. We will attempt to reach this state today with self-deception laid aside and with an honest willingness to value, but the truly valuable and the real. Any questions as we now have reached our hour? Yeah. I just have a quick comment. Um, several years ago when I was going through uh, Ken's journey through the workbook, uh, the, the acronym GIST came to me when I was reading this lesson, which is guilt, individuality, space, and time. There's sort of in reverse order for these four criteria, but, uh, but you know, guilt is the obvious fourth one. And then the, the specialness of individuality, you know, kind of working backwards, uh, and then space is a duality of, of, you know, you have what you've taken kind of thing. And then time is sort of the obvious uh, ego corollary to eternity. So, so that, that just acronym uh, for guilt, individuality, space, and time seems to work for me. Is, is kind of, if, I, if, if I am attached or identified with any of those four things, um, then I'm, I can pretty much figure I'm betting on the wrong, the wrong thought system again. <laughs> and I can, okay. Ask Holy Spirit, okay, help me, help me to see that, you know, so see where I'm covering those things up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I, I wanted to add one, one thing about uh, the G in, in GIST, <laughs> uh, which is guilt. Um, it's hard for us to understand that all the suffering that we see in ourselves, in anybody else, um, in the entire universe, the source of that suffering and that pain is guilt. And it's not even guilt, it's our belief in guilt. But we can't see the belief in guilt unless we see the guilt first. So it's so essential to see 
guilt as much as we can because in seeing it, we can withdraw our belief in it. And until we see it, we cannot withdraw our belief in it. And if you realize that it's the cause of all the suffering and pain and sickness and death that we see, this is really important. What is valuable? What is valueless? So, you know, not to deny it. The ego's game is to cover it up and project it and keep seeing it outside and never taking responsibility for it. So we have to learn to do this. I mean, the whole course is based on that. That's really so important, you know, As you're sharing that, I was thinking that the, the, the comes to mind the pivotal quote that Jesus uses is all the causes of your suffering, your guilt wasn't among them. It's like, we look everywhere else but that. <laughs> and the last place I looked, sure enough, there it was. You know? There it was. And then at the very last, um, the other day, I did the uh, lifting of the veil, which is, you know, the final step where we raise our eyes and, you know, we can go home to God. And what does he talk about there in the lifting of the veil? You need to forgive your guilt. You need to see it and forgive it. Purification is necessary before you will ever lift your eyes. Purification is forgiveness. And at the very last step where we're ready to lift our eyes, and it goes right back into it, you still got guilt. You still attacked your brother. You still judge your brother. We have to see it. So, amen. And one of the things, uh, looking at the iceberg, because these are the effects of the guilt, everything above it. And so every time uh, I see something that is the effect of guilt, then I go right back to the forgiveness process because I realize that's where it came from. And so, and, and you know, again, my, I've loosened up my, my life so that I have time to do that because it takes time to think about it going, oh, the guilt. I have to think about that for a second. I have to go, I have to do the forgiveness work around that. Yeah. Yeah. All those little times when we feel a little sheepish about something or in relationship to a partner or a friend or that little twinge, that's guilt. That's where we need to stop and look. <laughs> We can't cover it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's the guilt I was going to mention. I, was, I don't know. I was just, I was thinking about this uh, uh, yesterday. And one of the things that just totally amazed me is when I'm driving down the street, I see a policeman right there on the side street. All of a sudden, all this guilt kind of wells up in me. It's like, what the heck did I? And I'm laughing at myself going, what is this? <laughs> what is this? You know, what is this? Where is this coming from? You know, it's like, oh, seriously? I know it's just, it's always there. It's just, and it, it just surfaces in the most, sometimes the most hilarious ways, you know. Inner authority problem, perhaps reflecting in an outer authority problem. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Thank you all for being here today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Nidra. Thank awesome. you so much. Really. Bye-bye. This was good. Thank you. Very Thank you good. so much. Very good. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Gigi, I got your letter. <laughs>